0: Hello, hello, my name is Juliana Dobbs, and I'm your host for today's podcast. And today we will be talking about sexual assault, especially with college-aged people and the medical process that goes into it. Disclaimer, if this bothers you at all or makes you uncomfortable in any way or triggers any bad memories, feel free to stop listening now or leave whenever you would like. Now more on today's topic, I have conducted two interviews with two different women regarding the medical side of sexual assault, in particular, what a teacher's job is with it, and what a nurse's responsibility is with it. For my first interview, I interviewed Susan Carl, a nursing instructor at Heartland Community College who also worked as a nurse for a very long time. I asked her quite a lot of questions regarding how many cases she saw, what her job was when a case came in. And what her role is as a teacher in this type of situation. And then here is that interview. All right, so how many years did you work as a nurse? Whoa. Oh, 16, 17? Nice. Yeah. Okay, so during that time, how many sexual assaults would you say that you saw? That I knowingly saw? Yeah.
1: Thankfully, not a lot. Um. Probably less than 10. Mm -hmm. Um, Only part of my experience was in the ER, and that's generally where you would see a sexual assault patient enter healthcare.
0: Yeah, and then, um, so for, let's say when that did come up in the hospital, what was your guys' protocol for that?
1: It depends on where you work, um, or what hospital you work at. Ideally, the patient is put in a secluded area, secluded room that has access to a private bathroom and there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, One is simply because of what they have been through, but the other aspect of it is being able to eliminate their having to see other people and being able to um, collect necessary evidence um, which we'll talk about when we talk about the rape kit.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. And then, um, so you said ten or less. How many of those were around college age, if there were any? Probably all of them, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. I know there's a lot of different kinds of it, but I expected a lot of statutory instead of college age, in all honesty. Um, Then I know a lot of sexual assault victims do go through with a rape kit. Could you explain what that is?
1: Uh, The rape kit is essentially evidence collection. And again, ideally, it would be someone who's been specially trained um, not only to appropriately and sensitively deal with a sexual assault victim, I kind of like to use the term survivor myself, a sexual assault survivor, um, but also how to appropriately collect evidence, process that, and understands the chain of evidence and how important that is for potential criminal cases against the offender if the survivor wants to pursue criminal charges.
0: And do you happen to know what, like, a hospital's, like, protocol is for that? If the, like, what you guys do with the evidence, if they decide that in that moment they don't want to go through with an investigation?
1: That's entirely up to um, the sexual assault survivor when they come in. It is an option for them. And if they don't want to have it done at that time, education is generally provided about the fact that they can always come back and choose to do it at a later time. Um, Ideally, they are also connected with um, a rape counselor from the community. And in McLean County, um, the counselors are through Stepping Stones, which is through the YWCA. And ideally, they are called as soon as hospital staff realize that it is a sexual assault. Um, And those rape counselors are available 24-7, 365. They are usually able to come and be with the survivor at the hospital during whatever process they decide they want to do. If they want to have a rape kit completed, it's a pretty lengthy process. there's a lot of meticulous steps included in that, and it can, it can take a couple of hours for, from start to finish. And as far as maintaining that evidence, if the survivor decides to pursue the sexual assault kit, the nurse that collects all the evidence would keep that sealed kit in her possession or his possession, their possession, until the police came to take it from them. Um, That maintains the chain of custody and um, the paper trail, so to speak. And then if it does go to court, the nurse can testify that yes, I collected this evidence. Yes, this is my signature on the ceiling tape. And then whoever picked that up from her at the hospital, I keep saying her, whoever picked that up from them at the hospital would be able to then testify that yes, they picked it up from said nurse, and it just maintains that so that the offender could not say the evidence was tampered with.
0: So I know that the numbers are quite larger and a lot more hospitals see more than 10 for 16, 17 years. Why do you think victims don't come forward as often or like go and seek the medical help? Oh. There's a lot of different reasons, um, shame,
1: um, fear, embarrassment, um, denial, you know, if I, if I don't address this, if I don't admit it to anybody, then it didn't really happen, um, not wanting to be touched, because I, I mean Sexual assault is obviously a very invasive offense. And to then think about the invasiveness of the potential examination that they may have to undergo, you know, a lot of times they're just not at the point where that's something they can even consider.
0: So it takes a while. All right, thank you for that. And then, um, so, moving on from your experiences at the hospital, um, I know you're a teacher here. Is there a protocol that teachers are supposed to go through if someone comes to them? Like, let's say you had a student that you're really comfortable with, and then they come up to you and they're like, hey, I've been sexually assaulted. What do you do in that instance?
1: Actually, <laughs> coincidentally, <laughs> I have a yearly training that I'm going to have to do on that, which will refresh my memory. but. A lot of it's going to depend on, again, the, the student, the person um, disclosing that information. First of all, acknowledging that they have shared something with me, that I understand that it took a lot to do that, and then letting them guide what they need for me to do with them. Do they want to talk to counseling services here on campus? Do they want to pursue um, a rape kit being completed? Do they want to talk with someone from the YWCA stepping stones? Do they want to pursue uh, legal reporting either through security here or ideally whichever police department would handle that report. So, I mean, it's a lot on, first of all, they very much trusted you to come to you with that information and you don't want to like betray that trust by trying to determine for them what's best for them. Mm -hmm. In that moment, they need to have control back and be able to kind of guide how they wanna proceed. Obviously, I would encourage as much helpful, what I would deem as helpful for them. Um, But if just telling me today is enough, then okay. And then just try to follow up with them.
0: Thank you. And um, so you said that the school provides training for that yearly, correct? Yes. All right. And do all teachers have to go through that?
1: Yes. Yes. Yes, it is part of our training here on campus, and actually, nurses have to undergo sexual assault training as well every with every renewal of our license, which is every two years. So,
0: and could you tell me a little more about the training that nurses go through compared to what you go through as a teacher? It sometimes
1: it can be what we do here will apply to the nursing as well, um, but for people who aren't employed, say at at Heartland and don't have that mandatory training, there are other continuing education opportunities that nurses could pursue. The state says it has to be sexual assault training. They don't necessarily mandate where it comes from as long as it's an accredited source, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, thank you. And then. Um I don't need to know anything personal or anything, but like just a yes or no question. But has any have any students come to you about that before? No. All right. Nursing faculty, yes. Okay. But me personally, no. Alrighty. And then, um, I know there's not really a big solution to sexual assault, but what would be your best idea or best piece of advice for anybody going through that?
1: Wow. You're not alone. It's not your fault. And there are people who will help you when you're ready.
0: And thank you, Susan, for that awesome interview. Now for my second interview, I talked to Mara Larkin. She is a nurse that deals with sexual assaults that come into the hospital. So I cannot put in any of the actual interview in here due to recording location and the quality of it, but I have been given to talk to you guys about what we discussed. So Mara is a SANE nurse, and SANE stands for Sexual Assault Nurse Examiner, and her job is basically to handle everything that comes with the sexual assault case in the hospital. So she handles the rape kit, she handles all the legal processing with that and what happens with the, with the survivor. So, um, to become a SANE nurse, that is a separate training that you have to go through. It entails a class that goes through proper sexual assault cases and training for it, like photography, evidence retrieval. And one of her um, things that she had to do to pass it was um, 15 successful speculum exams. So her and I talked a lot and we discussed um, the number of cases that she's seen in her time. She's only been a nurse for around three years and a SANE nurse for... A little over a year and she said that she has seen 25 to 50 cases in her entire time as a nurse and around 75% of those cases were college-aged people around 18 to 25. She did say that she does tend to see um, younger aged people more 15 to 25 range. We also discussed what a rape kit is and um, it's a prepackaged sterilized kit and every hospital in the state of Illinois gets the same kit. Um, It has DNA retrieval stuff, like a hair comb for DNA, a nail scraper, vaginal, oral, and anal swabs. And it's all completely consensual. Everything that she does with a survivor is all completely consensual. You can also do STD testings with it if they want to. It is always offered. And there's a a lot of paperwork and a lot of body maps and things like that. So what a body map is, you have a picture of the body. And everything she does is factual with it. She looks at the body, she sees things that are abnormal, like, oh, there's some tearing here, oh, there's white stu- a white substance here, and she puts that down into her chart. And doctor usually sees the patient before, just to make sure that there is nothing, like, internally wrong or anything that could be, like, life-threatening. She also did mention that a lot of patients are uncomfortable with male doctors, and there are... Quite a lot more male doctors in the field than there are female doctors. Another part of her job is to collect all the evidence, which is basically the rape kit, and she also gets the patient's statements. Now, the evidence goes straight from the nurse to the police or investigator that is present. That just basically ensures that nobody can see that the DNA has been tampered with, or any of that evidence has been tampered with. Like I said before, whole thing completely consensual. It is a long process. It's about Mara said it was around eight hours, and um, afterwards the person does have a long time to decide if they want to do anything with their evidence. And um, if they are 18 and older, they have about 10 years to decide what they want to do with it, and younger than 18, they have until 18, and then they can decide after that if they want to keep it for longer or get rid of it. So um, they have about three different kinds of ways that a um, survivor can report something, So they can either do it anonymously, where it's basically just all the evidence and everything like that, no contact information or anything. They could do it where they report it themselves to the officers, and um, with that, the officers will get all their information, their statement, everything like that. Or they can have the um, sane nurse do it. And most of the time, Mara said that people have her report it, but that just means that the survivor doesn't actually have to talk to the police officers. It is everything that they have said to Mara or the other SANE nurses, then it goes through them to the officer. Her and I also talked about some personal experiences, and she talked about how a judge um, she talked to mentioned that around 7 out of 10 cases um, get a plea bargain, which is basically when it ends very quickly and it gets kind of swept under the rug, which happens quite a lot. We discussed how it's a form of trauma and how everyone has different responses. They could be loud and cheerful. They could be quiet, crying, and every single response is completely normal. We also discussed um, how most of the time the perpetrator is someone the survivor knows, and that does make a big impact on how they deal with the trauma, because it was someone they trusted that hurt them, and it makes it harder for the victim to open up to the same nurse, which is... One of Maya's jobs is to make them super comfortable and super open. That's why she allows so much control for them. And she also discussed how um, as soon as they know that a sexual assault has occurred, they um, call a Stepping Stones person. So Stepping Stones is basically an organization that works with um, sexual assault cases and sexual assault survivors. They offer um, counseling and support if the survivor wants it. We also did discuss more about how it is the survivor knows, and we did discuss that, um, three cases in the ICU that happened earlier this year in the first week of schooling in one of the dorm buildings, sorry, and um, that just more puts it in a perspective that is someone that people know, and that it's not just a random perpetrator off the street. And she also did discuss how a lot of time alcohol and drugs do take part in, in it, but it is never the reason for a sexual assault that happens. We also did talk about how um, it can also occur with intimate partners, and that is actually the majority of what they are. It also shows that um, the media is quite wrong about that. It does show that it is random people on the street that are being grabbed, just like a random guy seeing a girl at a bar and sexually assaulting her when in reality it's more of the person you know. Uh, we also, I mean, that whole thing does play a huge part in victim blaming, which we did talk about quite a bit. We also talked her personal friend who was sexually assaulted, and we talked about it and how her friend never really talked about it due to the shame she felt from it and the victim blaming that she kind of put on herself. And um, she told me that is actually the reason that she went into becoming a SANE nurse. It's because her friend had a really good SANE nurse who is made her really comfortable made her really open to talk about it all, and she felt really comfortable with that person, and Mara wanted to be that person for other people. We also did discuss more in depth how doctors and police officers can be very intimidating, so it's good that there is someone there who is supposed to be that comfort for them, like Mara. And then Mara and I um, went on to discuss how her friend tried to report it after the fact, but nothing ever happened with her case, which is super common. We also talked about the media, like TV shows and movies, and how it plays into it. And one of our discussions actually went um, to a popular show called Grey's Anatomy and a certain episode in the later seasons where a woman came into the hospital who was sexually assaulted. And one of the most important parts of that episode was where all the female doctors and nurses all lined up to show their support for the survivor. We both agree that that is one of the most important scenes in the whole show. Because it really does show that they aren't alone. And it's really, really heartfelt. It's a good, great episode. I recommend watching it. And honestly, I think there needs to be more representation like that. That shows kind of the after effect. And that the survivor does always have an option. always has help. And then both Mara and Susan had basically the same advice and solutions. It's all about education and teaching people about consent and self-control. And honestly, it's a whole society change. And like I said, it starts about with what um, people are taught and how they view survivors. And there is a lot of shame and victim blaming and that does influence reporting. In fact, it makes the numbers lower because people do have that sense of shame and that it was their fault and that they won't be taken seriously for it. Mara and Susan both advise people to go to the hospital and at least talk to someone about it, whether it be a friend or an advisor, Family member, mentor, neighbor, spouse, someone you can really, really trust completely so you don't hold on to it all alone because the weight of it will just hurt them more. And we did end up talking a little bit about more of that mental aspect, which does tie into all of the blame that they put on themselves. And all in all, both women that I talked to gave many important details, provided a lot of information that I think is important and is necessary information for people to know. The big takeaways from this are that it's never the survivor's fault and it's okay to feel the way you feel about it. and It's always okay to go to a hospital even if there is nothing physically wrong. Education is so important with these things and it needs to play a bigger role in people's lives than it does now. So thank you so much for listening in. I hope you enjoyed this little podcast and take away from it what you will and then have a great day.